When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's the bluest room in town. Yeah, they're actually funny and the best the sound. Through the ups and the downs. Yeah, they'll be there waiting for the next time round. It is the weekly show here on the Blue Room. Uh, we are nearing Everton playing a football match again. They are in action at Southampton on Saturday. I think the general mood is excitement to see the lads back in action again. Uh, certainly after what the girls did on Sunday in that Merseyside derby, uh, there is a good mood around the football club at the moment. Uh, we will get onto that shortly. Uh, joining me, Alan Healy and Paul McPartland. Just very quickly, I, I apologise for this, lads. We've got to do, do something very quickly on Sunday. I am running the London Marathon. Uh, I'm running the NSPCC, who are a great charity who are doing a lot of great work in tackling child abuse in the UK. They, only, they are the only charity at the moment dedicated to doing that. Uh, I have got a lot of way to go to make up my target, uh, and I'm hoping <laughs> the donations come in between now and the end of the week. Uh, and thousands of people listen to this this podcast. Um, I know times are hard, especially at the moment, but if anyone could spare anything, for a great charity, essentially giving me a little bit more motivation for the big day on Sunday. I'd really appreciate it. So the link will be in the description wherever you listen to your podcast here. Um, and yeah, anything you can you can spare would be greatly appreciated. Um, so yeah, thanks very much for that. Um, yeah, I'm a, bit, I'm a bit scared, lads. You know, it's ominous. 26 miles as far. <laughs> but you've done it before, haven't you, Matt? Yeah, but I'm a bit... You know, I'm at the stage now, Paul, where like if I was a footballer, I'd be only get a one-year contract. In the past, of a, you know, when I, I did my first one, I was 27, I was in my prime, but now it's it's very much in the, the latter years of my career, sort of MLS, you know, <laughs> in China, playing in Australia sort of phase. Yeah, but, but does, yeah, does uh, the experience uh, count? Yeah, I thought that marathoners is like peak at like forty, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Years yeah. left. Apparently, when you're younger, you're 
your muscles are like more kind of attuned to like you know fast twitch movement mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. like as you get old you get to your 40s you begin to build a kind of long distance uh mm-hmm. capacity and i saw you in strava this morning out near form you know on your was it eight miler nine miler ten yeah, miler about eight eight miles this morning that's, that's yeah, really cool. so- I'm sure, I'm sure I'm sure you'll be fine like you know <laughs> telling your inner uh, Alex Wolby yeah <laughs> very much an inspiration yeah but I've, I've never had any fast switch fibers mate so that's 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 <laughs> theory out the window for me unfortunately but yeah um, I am looking forward to in all seriousness um, it is a great day and yeah if you can spare anything in these tough times at the moment yeah. we'll do a greatly appreciated well in Paul I'm sure <laughs> um, but yeah um, yeah it's, it's been a busy few weeks hasn't it lads it's international break lives often these can go by without anything really happening we've not got much to talk about but there is plenty that's that's gone on um the, the main one i suppose paul is that everton have sold a player who going back 12 months we all would have said would have been a vital part of the team and you know even maybe going into this season and this, this summer that people would have expected to play um alana has gone off to play his football in the uae one of those that like i said a month ago, it might have been a surprise, but given the way in which the transfer window ended, given the plays we brought in, and given the lack of minutes he's had, it kind of feels like a deal that, that makes sense for everyone, really. Yeah, I'd agree, Matt. I mean, you touched on before, didn't you? The, you get to a stage in your career when you're kind of, kind of going down a little bit, and I think uh, maybe Alan's reached that point now. And so, I, mean, I know we've all been greatly encouraged by RB Kubis over the summer and bringing in young, hungry midfield players like Onana, and uh, the, also the experience of Garner Gay as well. So I think, I think the midfield is the one area of the team that's looking particularly strong at the moment. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I thought Alan did a, you know, did a really good job for Everson during the time he was in. You know, when, when Ancelotti brought him over, he had a solidity to the midfield. He brought experience to the midfield. And I think, you know, without our recruitment this summer, he would have been, I would have thought, a regular first-team starts. But you kind of got the impression from the... Uh, from the pre-season, the way things were working out, that he wasn't going to figure in Lampard's plans. From a purely selfish financial point of view, it's another big wage off the salary outgoings as well. So, sad to see him go. You know, I mean, he's made a warm impression on Everton fans. You know, we always value his contribution highly. He made a real significant contribution says keep us up last season as well. So, yeah, you know, he served as well, but I think, you know, it's probably the best for all parties that he finds a regular slot somewhere else. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> What I'll say about it, Alan, is that he feels like it doesn't fit into the, the absolute flop category that we've had in recent years when it comes to signing. But I, I couldn't really sit here and say that he's been a major success either in, in that regard. He, he, feel, he falls very much as a player that we'll look back at in five years and we'll just kind of shrug our shoulders and go, yeah, he was all right. Yeah, I think that he was brought in as part of the kind of Carlo Ancelotti, you know, short-term plan to get us into the top four, basically. Um, in terms of you know him, um, James Rodriguez obviously as well, uh, players that ilk who were kind of brought in to deliver immediately. Like I think he was what 29, 28 when he came in. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think now looking at him in his place in the squad, he was only ever going to be a rotational option because I think our starting three midfielders are Obi, um, Onana and Gay, and then you have James Garner and Tom Davies is you know pretty. Mm-hmm able backup options and if you wanted to even go to I don't know a 4-2-3-1 you could move um, maybe Anthony Gordon centrally in that kind of you know attacking midfield position so I think with five or six options in the middle of the park that's all you need especially when you consider 
um, his wages and his salary, you know, and also the fact that he doesn't seem to fit into the molds of midfielder that Lampard wants. And that's evident in how little he's been used since Lampard took over. Uh, I like him personally. I think he's always been a character who gave everything for uh, for the club when he was playing for them. Um, seemed like a good guy as well. He was clearly part of that kind of Portuguese-speaking clique with Yerimina, Richardson, Andre Gomez, all of whom seem to be, if not on the way out, on the way to being on the way out. So, um, yeah, I guess changing the guard, really, you know. Um, I like him personally, but I think that his lack of importance to the first-team picture, coupled with his high wages, coupled with his age, means that it makes sense for all parties concerned, really, like, you know. Yeah, didn't start a game after that Anfield defeat where... He completed one pass from passing the kickoff now. Yeah, I mean, do you feel like that? I'll, I'll come straight back to you on that one. Alan. Do you feel like that was maybe a bit of a, a final straw for Frank Lampard? Because I, I always remember there was a game. It might have even been the Palace game when we come back from three two down, and after we score to go ahead, he speak like Alan's like remonstrate with Lampard, is, is, and it looks like he's sort of saying, "Get me on now, and I'll you know kind of shore this up a little bit, and you know I can help." But it felt like sort of after that game, you know, harshly or not. Lampard was sort of right. That that's it. Now I'm I'm going to go a different way with this to the point where I know we had injuries and you know we had the little niggle here and there. But you know you look at the midfielders that we were playing late in, in the season. You know Andre Gomez that 45 minutes he played against Crystal Palace will, will scar me forever. It just felt like he sort of lost a bit of trust in him from from that point on. Yeah, when the Richardson course this morning, I don't know if you saw them from four four two. Um, he mentioned after the after the Palace game that Gomez and Alan came to him talking about what Lampard had said, whatever comment he passed in the pre match. Maybe it's not a coincidence that it's both Alan and Gomez, who are obviously Portuguese na- native speakers, um, and obviously were kind of out of favour towards the end of the Lampard reign and the beginning of this season, last season and this season. So who knows? I mean, we can only speculate as to what's going on behind the scenes, what the character of the players are like, how their relationship is with the coaching staff and other players. Maybe it was an attitude issue, maybe just a matter of people didn't gel properly. My perception of Lampard, even going back to his Chelsea days, seems to be that he prefers working with younger players. And then he often has issues with older players who maybe have a bit of an ego on them. I remember, you know, Thiago Silva, I think he wasn't using him properly. Players like that, so who knows what the story they're not going to speculate like, but I, I would imagine it's something to do with that. But um, but yeah, who knows? I think that it's just, it just didn't work out for whatever reason, you know. Same with Gomez, same with Alan, and it's similar because they're both good players. Obviously, they both have played you know good performances for Everton over the over the time here, but for whatever reason, they were completely almost disbarred under Lampard. So we can only speculate. We don't know what's going on in the dressing room, but I would imagine it's kind of a holistic issue if that makes sense yeah I mean Alan do you think that Alan's lack of pace was a factor as well because I mean certainly Lampard wants energetic midfielders I've seen from the translation of Awobi Alan and Gomez fit that cast we don't think they're skillful on the ball but they haven't got a great deal of pace and when you're in a midfield it's getting overrun sometimes you need someone with the energy skill and pace to get back in and cover yeah I think also Alan played his best football in Syria you know and like Syria especially well Maybe now it's changing a bit, but when he was there with Napoli, it wasn't the most dynamic of leagues. You know, it was a lot slower paced, a lot more tactical, a lot more technical. And when he was there, he was playing for Brazil as well. He was in the national team in 2018 when they won the Copa America. He's since followed the picture. And I guess the fact that, you know, he has gone now to the Middle East, that Andre Gomez similarly has gone to France, a second tier club in France. Well, not literally second tier, but, you know, in terms of the elite category, they're not, you know, Marseille or PSG. That's probably indicative that maybe they're not 
quite at the races anymore at the top level and in the league as physical as the Premier League and given, as you mentioned, Paul, the style of football Frank wants to play, I guess it makes sense that um, they didn't fit the picture completely. So yeah, I think that coupled with maybe off-field issues or attitude issues make a lot of sense, to be honest with you. I always remember that game where we Alan, Decore and Gomez all played together for the first time at the Spurs away and we won 1-0 and Cavalier scored the header and it was just like, wow, we've got a midfield. Like, and it, it was just like, because obviously the season before, I think we played like Sigurdsson and Davis or Sigurdsson and Schneiderlin and, and, you know, Delft was in and out every now and then. It was just felt like, God, we've been crying out for, for this for so long and it almost... It almost feels like that first game was like the high point of, of that that trio, really. I know we had a few games after that which we won quite well, but you know it, it felt like from that point on it all just kind of went south for both of them. And so for up for all three of them, obviously the core is still here, but I, I still think Alan was a little bit misused. Actually, sorry, I actually forgot about the core when I was mentioning Central. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what a cameo we made against West Ham the other week. <laughs> <laughs> that's six. That's six of them. That makes even more sense. Just six yeah, of them. Yeah. 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 And, uh, I think with Alan, like I, I do think we we never used him properly. And you know, you you, you were saying there all about how when he was in Syria and, and the pace of the, the league there's maybe a little bit different. But he always played as one of the, the two midfielders that were a bit more advanced. And he had Jorginho. He was not a, like a defensive midfielder, but he's a sitting midfielder sat behind him. He could go and hunt the ball. He could go and be a little bit more off the leash. He could go and chase things down. And the position he played at Everton largely, certainly under Angelotti, was that deepest player in, in midfield. And that was never his game when he was at his best. And certainly was never his game at the point of his career when he came to Everton. Like, you know, like you said there, Paul, where... He, he was slowing down a little bit. You know, when he was linked with PSG and he was touted around as like a £60 million player, he was one of the most energetic midfielders and yeah, dynamic midfielders yeah. in, in European football. Obviously, the reason Napoli were willing to let him go to Everton was because he's <laughs> a little bit in that sense. But I do, I, I do think we misused them, but I also think when he played in that sitting position, I never really saw a player that I thought had, had fully adapted to that role. You know, you, you look at, this is a very small sample size, but you look at Idrissa Gay and the game and a half he's played for us, and I'd probably put him in a similar category in regards to he's someone who likes to go hunting for the ball and he chases around. But against West Ham, when he came on against Liverpool, it, it looked a little bit different to what it was like in his first spell. He feels like he's got a little bit more discipline and he understands that number six role a little bit better and you've got to sit in front of the back four and you can't go and chase the ball all the time. Yeah. Like he was doing it in the midfield too or when you push forward, so... Uh, I think that's right, Matt. Also, I mean, it's just a guy, he's come from PSG where if you're not giving Mbappé and Neymar the service they require, you're going to get it, aren't you? They're going to tell you that you're not going to stand that they require. So I think it's games raised because of that as well. I, I, I think, you know, with Alain, he's also suffering from the fact that he's Ancelotti's bias. I think Lampard's having a bit of a clear as of some of the, the dead wood, in his opinion, from previous managers who, who've kind of settled at Goodison. And I also think as well, I mean, Garner Gay, when he came on against West Ham, as you kind of indicated there, Matt, it was just like he'd never been away. You know, his anticipation, his winning of the ball. And he still seems, I know he wasn't the fastest player, but he hasn't lost any pace from what I saw so far as well. And it's a good example as well of someone who's kept themselves supremely fit. Now, they don't drink, which makes a massive difference as well. You know, so he can st- I still think he can make a vi- uh, valuable contribution for us as well. And as you said, Adam, as well, I mean, you know, I, I feel about the court as well. I feel about James Garner. So we think we, ha- we have got immense strength in that midfield. And I think for once, you've got the right combination of experience 
in terms of um, Garner Gate and young, exciting prospects in terms of Onana and James Garner coming through as well. So, you know, we had situations in the past where we crammed the midfield with 29, 28-year-olds. I think the way we're going this way is far more encouraging. Well, yeah, it's, it's sort of like past, present, future, isn't it? You know, Garner was there in the past. Wobi is very much the present. Anana looks like a lad who's going to be around for a long time. So I, I love the balance of that three. And there's not really a player you look at in that trio and think we need to carry this player from a defensive point of view or a physical point of view. So all good on that point of view. Um, I think everyone's wishes Alan well and understands why the move's happening. And hopefully the money we're saving on wages can free up a few funds in January. Uh, of course, there was some bad news, lads. Um, I, I don't know if either of you are watching that um, Ukraine-Scotland game live. Yeah. Um, Nathan Patterson had a great start. To the game. I think he got skinned by um, Madrid once. But then after that, he recovered. He was playing really well. And then all of a sudden, um, slumped on the floor. And you get all those feelings. And you get all that foreboding you do as an Evertonian. Um, Alan, I mean, when that happened, and when he went off on a stretcher, and he's, he's doing that thing that footballers do when they put the shirt over the head when they've got a really bad injury, I was, I was thinking, this, this is going to be horrific. Um, thankfully, it's just four to five weeks, the club are saying. So, so it's, it's, you know, it, it, I think if someone had offered me that when he was on a stretcher getting taken off the other week, I probably would have taken it, but it's not ideal either, is it? Yeah, it's not as gutting. I mean, he's one of the kind of leading lights of the season so far, I would say, because I tweeted after it happened, I was like, you know, he's not been perfect. And I got a lot of flack for that. But what I meant was like that he's not been perfect because he has made a lot of mistakes, actually, I think, but he always recovers from the mistakes. So he, I think he's often kind of caught out of position, but then he has the intelligence and the kind of graph to get back and win the ball back again. And that's just a sign of, you know, someone who's 20 years old and who's going to learn the game and learn his position properly. But it's actually a positive because it means he's so much more to, to learn and improve on, you know, and I think he's a really, really good right back. He's one of the best performance so far this season. I really like him. And I think that even compared to Mikalenko, I think he's of a higher quality in terms of, you know, the caliber of player he is now and the kind of ceiling he could be looking for towards in the future. So I'm really impressed by him. I really hope he's back soon. I've, think that there's no obvious replacement for him anymore because, you know, you know, I love Seamus Coleman. I've defended him a lot over the years, but I think it's clear now that he's not able to play right back anymore in the Premier League, especially. I think that his only position really is kind of that right center back role in the back three. I think he doesn't have the legs or the fitness to play at right back anymore, right wing back especially. So I'm worried to see how Frank is going to cope with that in the medium term because there isn't really an obvious replacement there. Um, Coleman, obviously, Stanley Mills, maybe, I don't know. Um, it's a problem that we wish we didn't have to face, um, but we have to face it. So how we work that will be interesting, but it's a it's a pity because I think that Patterson overlapping on the right side offered a lot to the attack, you know, especially with the wide options we have not being real wide options. They're more kind of inside forwards and wingers. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, it was a massive blow, massive blow. But uh Hopefully he kind of uses the opportunity to come back even stronger and hopefully he gets a bit of game time before the World Cup. Yeah, that's that's the, the big disappointment, isn't it, Paul? Because you know, there was a lad that you know seven or eight weeks ago had never played a game in the Premier League. Um, you know, we were all putting a lot of expectation on him going into the season. I think everyone was assuming that he was gonna be the starter on the very little evidence that we'd seen of him. And he was a lad that just sort of took all of that in his stride and and, and kicked on and looked like not only was he really adapting to the Premier League really well, but really enjoying his football and the, and the challenge of, of playing at this level. 
Yeah, it was delightful to see as well, wasn't it? And I think also with Patterson, you kind of forget that last season, he had that cameo appearance against Bowdoin Wood where he was hauled off at half-time. And it kind of seen as only fallen out in favour then combined with the injury that put him off the rest of the season. Now, there was a lot of speculation in the summer, wasn't there? He might be going out low to a championship club or something, which to me made absolutely no sense whatsoever because I think you just had to give him a try in the first team. And I think he has seized that opportunity. As Alan's outlined, he's brought a a pace and a, a, an aggression to the Everton team as well. His link-up play has been quite impressive. And yeah, he, he does make one or two mistakes, but he's 20, he's going to make mistakes. I don't mind players making mistakes, as you said, Alan, as long as they get back and they cover for them. So yeah, it, it is a, a blow. And you always wonder you know, about the psychological effects of injuries as well. It's a second injury in in less than 12 months. You, you do kind of wonder, you know, it, you know, you, you don't want to affect the style of play. You, you don't want to, you know, to develop a, a, an innate course because he's scared of another injury. But he's he, he's far exceeded our expectations since he's arrived. And, you know, it, it's, I think it's part, of, as you kind of outlined before, of the Lampard model of combining one or two experienced players with young, hungry, talented footballers with a point to prove. And, you know, you know, from, you know for those who survived the Fabian Delft years and best luck on your retirement there, mate, it's, it, it, it's, been a, it's, it's been a pleasure to see. You make it sound like the Fabian Delphi is like a pandemic of kind of getting through. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, on to what happens next then. Um, I don't you know, when this happened, I was sort of hoping that Seamus would get some minutes for Ireland and potentially knock off a bit of rust playing there and would come back, you know, having got some competitive minutes under his belt. But he's not really featured much for the Irish team, has he? And that's. But a player that's at the age he's at now that's not played much football this season, that, as you said there, is maybe not necessarily a right-back anymore. It does feel like quite a lot to sort of drop him into that that position on Saturday and just say, go on, off you go, and hope that experience kind of gets him through. Yeah, his most notable contribution during the international break was getting into a fight with um, one of the Scottish players after the fight. <laughs> I saw that. It was like, it was typical, typical Seamus Coleman. He came on for the last five minutes or so, and then he was just fighting with your man after the game, basically. They woke up. But, but, um, but yeah, I think it's a big question for sure, but I don't think we've any other option, really. Uh, I mean, we know that Frank loves him seemingly loves him like to bits like even the way he's spoken about him publicly and also in the dressing room after the was well, after the Palace game wasn't it yeah so you know he clearly rates him as a person as a player like I've no doubt like we mentioned earlier with Ghana Gay that he doesn't drink he's teetotal he's completely dedicated to his fitness so he's done everything he can do to get into top shape and get into to get to be physically fit but you know time waits for no man as Matt may figure it out in Sunday. <laughs> maybe he's not that sharp but I think the good thing about Coleman is that he will have the, the intelligence he's got the opposite to Patterson because while Patterson has all the physical gifts and the kind of you know hunger and the youthfulness that he can make up for his mistakes hopefully Coleman has the intelligence and the wherewithal to not make those mistakes in the first place so I think if he was working in tandem with Tarkovsky and Cody um, and working with maybe getting Obi to cover him on that kind of right side of the pitch, then you could kind of cover up for any physical deficiencies he might have and get away with it because he has experience. But I guess we'll wait and see what happens because I can't see any other option or right back there, you know? And I don't think that he would have been in the squad at the beginning of the season um, were he not there to play a role, basically. So I think it could be a situation where he could come in and surprise us for the next month or so and perform really, really well. 
um, and then rotate with Patterson between now and the end of the season. So hopefully that could happen. But yeah, it's a worry for me personally. Is, is there so any? Alan, well, I'm sorry, make one. Sorry, so do you, you mentioned Stanley Mills before. Do you think he might be coming under consideration with that position? I heard a couple of people saying that as the alternative on Twitter. I haven't seen that much in person. I've just seen when he's played for the first team, but that seems to be the name that's been mentioned. I can see us going back to the days of playing Dominic Cavalu in a right wing back like we did with <laughs> Mike That lineup graphic will haunt me forever. Um, and then I guess who are the other options in the squad? Maybe Tom Davies could be a right back. Um, but the other options. Holgate. Yeah, that'll be frustrating. Yeah. Like Godfrey and Holgate are yeah, yeah. not right backs, but they can both play there. And, you know, it looks like they're both going to be out injured. But it, the thing that worries me about it is that, you know, we spoke about the balance in midfield, but I think the balance in that back four has been quite nice as well in the sense that you've got these two, you know, Gnarly old centre back, not old necessarily, but oh God, about three years younger than me. <laughs> centre back, you know what I mean? Like experienced lads who've been there and done it, you know, no, no nonsense to a degree. And um, maybe both lack a, a little bit of pace and that little bit of, you know, quickness off the mark. But the flank by two, you know, two young fullbacks who are not necessarily great going for, but they're energetic, they're tenacious, they'll get stuck in. And it's kind of been a nice balance. And then I think if you put Coleman in there, all of a sudden you've got a 34-year-old and a 30-year-old and a 30-year-old and a, a 32-year-old in front in, in, in Idrissi Gay and potentially what's Begovic behind them, you know, 34, 35. But all of a sudden it just feels like the, it just kind of throws that balance off a little bit, Paul, if you, if you bring someone like like that in. You know, maybe for one game it could be fine, but after two, three, four weeks when the, the schedule gets very congested, it could be a lot to ask of these lads. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, I, I, I totally concur with your point there, Max, about you know the solidity Tarkowski and Cody have brought to the sense of defence. And uh, you know, I, I, I think that the influence you can see throughout the team, I mean, uh, you know, when I was watching both the Derby game and the West Ham game, it was a strange feeling watching an Everson team thinking, we're not going to concede here. It's the best we've been organised defensively for a long, long time. So, you know, so yeah, I mean, losing Patterson is it, definitely, definitely going to be an issue for, for Frank to try and deal with that. And like you, I'm kind of struggling to see an obvious answer given our injuries with Holgate and Godfrey. I mean, whether Stanley Mills might be coming to the equation, I, I, I really don't know. It might involve some sort of rejigging of the midfield goals to give Seamus far more cover because I think one thing he can't do anymore is be the overlapping fullback because I don't think he's got the pace to get back if he's brought out of position. So we might have to have a kind of a, a more deep line strategy to try and cover that weakness. Uh, so yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, as you've indicated, the lack of match time, I think, for Shea is, is a big factor as well. So there's going to have to be some sort of a backup plan there whereby someone can come and after maybe 60 minutes or so to kind of shut up that position if it's proved to be a weakness in the game. But on the other hand, Shea is, is an experienced is an experienced player. He's been in these situations before. You know, he, he knows what's required of him. So you know, maybe we could take the optimistic view and say, well, should we just trust the guy's knowledge? We do, you know, this guy has played that role for you know, ne- nearly 20, almost 20 years, I guess. So, you know, he, he, he's got uh, he's got, he's got the know-how to cope. And, you know, we, we kind of touched on before the fact that as you get a bit older in whatever sport you do, marathons or football, maybe the experience comes comes to the fore at some stage. So let's hey, be a bit more. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, when Alan mentioned about Seamus kicking off at the end of the Republic of Scotland, I, I, I'm trying to think now, you know, can we see Matt kicking off at the end of the marathon? It's all just beat to the line, you know. 
Oh God, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know what situation I'd have to happen. <laughs> I, I, I know Mark Murray's he's doing it, so maybe I'll trip him up at the end. <laughs> uh, getting over the line. But, uh, but one uh, thing though, one thing to be fair, actually, like mentioning kicking off, I actually, I think my favourite thing about Everton this season, genuinely, has to be every time there's an incident with any Everton player, yeah. Connor Cody and James Tarkovsky sprinting the length of the pitch square off the players. Like, I love it. Like, it's a bit like, you know, I think we've been far too nice for far too long. And like, I want personally, I think, you know, the Everton that I think is Everton and the best is Everton, something in the model of, you know, Diego Simeone's Atletico Madrid. Yeah. 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 A really aggressive, horrible, you know, I, I want the neutrals to not like us. You know what I mean? I, I think that suits Everton's personality. Evertonian's personality, I think, has to be aggressive, has to be difficult to play against, has to be a bit narky, a bit sneaky. Like that's personally what I love to see in a team. That's, that's the most important qualities for me. So to see somebody like Tarkovsky and Cody, who are kind of you know defending everybody, defending whether it's Tom Davies or Nathan Patterson or whoever, is really important and really good and really valuable. You know, it's a proper attribute I think to the team that we didn't have last season or the season before, or for a few years to be honest with you. Like, yeah, and that's why. Sorry, man. I go back to what you said there, Alan. Well, go back to Sam game. Wasn't it great to see where Tarkowski went straight over to Skamaka at the end of the game and starts to point and ask him, you know, be, be, you know, let him know, I'm the experienced player, mate. You, know, you really don't want to mess with me. Uh, yeah. Like that, that also wasted two minutes, didn't it? Like, it, is. <laughs> it, just, like, it, it, just, it just killed the game later. And, you know, it wasn't a great tackle from Skamaka, but it wasn't like, I don't think it really warranted that reaction so much that <laughs> you go over there and you, you, know, you get right in his face. But, you know, that's. That is that is the sort of thing that that, that you want to see, like Alan said. Um, in, we spoke obviously about defence, midfield, um, up top. Um, Lampard is doing his press conference now, so hopefully we'll get an update on on Calvert Lewin. Um, just sort of in general, assuming that he is available, which is you know you can't really ever do anymore these these days with Don. But say he's sort of fit, he's been training this week. Um, is there any changes you'd make to that front three, Alan, in, in regards to bringing him straight back into the side or? Do you look at Neil Mope and think doing a great job up front? Do you look at someone like Anthony Gordon? Maybe he's been a bit off the boil in the last couple of games and maybe take him out of the firing line. Um, I think Damari Gray played really well against um, against West Ham, in my opinion. It's, um, we haven't really got loads of options there, have we? But Dom coming in could potentially, again, shift the, the balance in, in a few different ways. Yeah, I Gordon apparently played very well for the 21s during the week. I didn't watch the game, but I saw Paddy's report and I already said him and Garner both looked like they were like a level above everybody else in the pitch. So that's a good thing. So hopefully he carries that form into the game. But um, yeah, regarding the front three or the front four, it's kind of difficult to say because I just think it's all dependent on Dominic's fitness. And I don't think that he's fit enough to play the full 90 minutes for sure. So I think a more logical situation, especially away from home, would be to start Mopé and then bring Cavaloon off the bench maybe towards the end of the game if he's fit enough. But um. But it's a big unknown, like you said. I mean, I've no idea how fit he is. I've no idea what his fitness issues are. It seems to be, you know, different things each time. So, unfortunately, he's getting the reputation now of being a player who's just hugely injury prone. Do you know what I mean? So, I've personally kind of taken down my expectations with him this season, at least. I'm kind of pessimistic about his chances of kind of regaining the form of two seasons ago anytime soon. Right? And the World Cup is out of the question, but Hopefully, it proved me wrong, but I think that it's very difficult for me to imagine us relying on his goals this season again. If that makes sense. Yeah, you in the same sort of camp there, Paul. I mean, it feels like I'm at the point now with Dom where you just can't rush him back in any way, shape, or form. We've got to take every single precaution we can with him. 
Yeah, I think as Alan said, no, no, he, he, he's not worth taking the risk with at the moment. And also, I mean, from Neil Mowbray's point of view, I mean, he's certainly done enough to uh, to justify his position in the starting lineup. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't take the gamble at the moment. I think, you know, he, he, he's definitely worth, if he's fit enough to be on the bench, and that, that's definitely an option worth considering. But once again, you, know, you don't want to be throwing him on about chasing the game and, and run the risk of, of having another setback with his injury. So I think in terms of Everson's interest, you know, I think we have to put the knees of the club first and maybe manage his return gradually rather than th- throw him straight back into the team. Uh, I think it's, you know, uh, despite his injuries last season, you know, I, I still think, you know, that header from Calvert-Lewin against Crystal Palace in the final game of the season was, you know, was such such a delight to watch and see. So, you know, you know no matter what he does this season, you know, his contributions to the club staying up last season in that game was immense. But, yeah, you mentioned World Cup prospects there. And I just can't see Dominic making, making the... They have to name another squad of 55, don't they? I think in the next seven days or so. But they don't have to publicise what the squad is. It has to go to FIFA, and then so I, I can see him possibly being in that fifty-five squad, but I, I just can't see him making the final course. See, I, I think if he came back and played the next, how many games have we got? Eight games for the World Cup, and like yeah. scored five or six goals. I, I think he could get in still because I, I don't think there's anybody else really as like a, a natural. Like Ivan Tony was in the squad, wasn't he, this week? Yeah. And didn't even get on the pitch. You know, like Ollie Watkins is having a bit of a rubbish season. Mm-hmm. And Callum Wilson is, you know, I mean, again. Injury. Injuries. <laughs> well, I mean, where, where else do you go? And obviously, Dom is someone that has played at that level, the manager trusts him. But obviously, this all depends on him being fit and, and ready to go. Lampard said in his press conference just now that we'll see about Dom. He said, we're considering him being involved in the weekend. So, standard answer that means. Yeah. Just to wrap up, lads, how are we feeling about the game at the weekend? Alan, you know, Southampton's one of those where I think we probably got an okay record there, but just whenever I hear Southampton away, it's one of those grounds I always feel like we never really do that well there. I always remember us going there in I think 2016 17 in that green kit and smashing them with, with Rahm and, and Barkley playing really well that day. Um, but, but by and large, I just think. Us getting beat, Danny Ings scoring, the weather being horrendous. No, obviously, <laughs> obviously Ings has moved on since, but you know, it's just it just feels like one of those those stadiums that we never really seem to get anywhere anything from. Yeah, true. I just feel a bit positive at the moment, though. Genuinely, I think that would be difficult to beat no matter what. So I can't see us losing the game. If that makes sense, because I, I personally don't rate something. They've some good players. You man, Lavia, Romeo Lavia is really really good midfield. He's only eighteen years old. He's been really impressive this season, but James Rapros, who is a good player, I've always liked. But I think that we have enough about ourselves to not get beaten there. But again, the issue for me, as it has been all season, is where the goals are going to come from. Hopefully Gordon steps up and delivers. He's been poor recently, as you said, but he played good during the week. He's been talking today about, you know, getting into the World Cup squad. So we'll see what happens. I'm confident i would say because also when you've a bit of a break from everton i find you always get a bit of you know more confidence like absent absence makes the hardcore founder but um i wouldn't be extremely confident we'll win but i don't think we'll get beat if that makes sense yeah we are the draw specialist this season i suppose aren't we paul so i mean i'd, I'd probably take i think a point to be fine to be honest in, in this one you know they got our way record as much as you know i've seen videos again circulating of Leicester and the support there again this week um by and large, that was very, very rare, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Our away record. I think we've won one 
away game in a year, going back to mm-hmm. going back to Brighton um, and obviously Leicester last season. So I think at the moment, as much as I'd love us to go there and win, I think any point on the road feels quite precious for this team. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think if we were to get a point, at least it keeps you unbeaten on going, doesn't it? So if you count the League Cup, that takes out to seven games, which is really encouraging. Another clean sheet would also be, be a, a real positive for us as well. Yeah, I, I mean, like Alan, you kind of indicated that I, I never quite know what to expect from Southampton. I remember the game there last season when the weather was awful, there was a lot of Everton fans couldn't get down there. They got stuck in London and things like that. And we lost that one too, another thing. And uh, I just think Southampton are a real mixed bag, aren't they? Because the home record, they've won one, drawn one, lost one. Uh, you know, they go from like conceding three or four in the game to suddenly pulling off an unexpected win, and they have, they have kind of had this habit on the Hassan Hassan hustle. Like, how's that right? Uh, of um, losing four or five games and he's under pressure, and you know, then they suddenly pull four or five wins out the bag. The pressure goes off. I mean, like last season, you know, October January, they were comfortably just outside the top six or seven, and then they just completely collapsed in the second half of the season. Now, they started poorly this season with a 4-1 crashing at Tottenham, but they kind of recovered from that as well. It'd be Chelsea home 2-1 also. So and I think that it's a really challenging game. I think their transfer strategy, you, you mentioned there, and about Vomir Lafayette from, from City, I think is a really good sign. But then they bought Joe Arrivo from Rangers. I didn't quite see the logic of bringing him back to the Premier League. So I was quite convinced by him in the Scottish Prayer anyway. So a draw would be fine, but... Wouldn't it be brilliant just just to go there and get you know the, and away with it? You know, I think because there's a real positive vibe about the club at the moment, and that really helps to keep that positive vibe alive and buzzing. We've got some tough fixtures coming up, so I think we have to regard this as a winnable fixture, as a potential three points. Because I don't know, you know when we did our predictions for how the league table might end up. I had Southampton has been the one 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 of our one of the teams I was looking at them could be battling against them for relegation. So it would be good to beat Southampton and just to. Put some distance mid tail between us and the bottom three. We could also see Alex Wobi kind of recreating his goal scoring form from Nigeria um, in the Premier League. I don't know if you saw that goal, but also I don't know if you saw his tweets. Uh, I think it was yesterday about the refereeing decisions. It was just yeah. so. <laughs> you saw that, did you? Okay. Like, oh, it was very fun. I like, I like it all this. So I didn't see that either. He tweets, he tweets like, do you know, what? I'm sure you know by now that his Instagram and Twitter is always the same. He tweets like, capital letters for everything so like it's not but not like all caps but like the beginning of each letter is a capital it makes no sense where he does it but he's been <laughs> literally the whole time he's been Everton but he was talking about a refereeing decision for an offside during Nigeria's game the second game in the international break and it was so funny the way he was phrasing it it was so kind of polite and kind of you know calm but at the same time annoyed just have a look at yourself it's pretty funny but like He's quickly becoming one of my favorite characters in the club. I think he just seems like a really funny, yeah. funny guy. Like you know, so yeah, it's funny. Hopefully, he carries that goal-scoring form into the Premier League for sure. And I just wonder uh, what are the odds of Theo Walcott coming off the bench and and, and getting a goal against on Saturday? Is he still there? I thought he's. <laughs> I thought that's probably the guy existed. I think yeah. Well, I, I think only existed in Everton. Uh, but yeah, but I, 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 I think he's still there. Yeah. But he's, he's still quite, you know, he's, he's still about 33, 34. God, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad Shane... 2006, so 2032, 32. Yeah. yeah, yeah. See, he's, lot, he's a lot younger than what you think, yeah. God. It just, yeah, I think I'm glad Shane Long's left because he still, feels like he's scoring against <laughs> us. Um, the player that we should have signed 10 years ago, he always scored against <laughs> us, but... Um, but yeah, and that Awobi goal during you know, the international break, by the way, absolute screamer that wasn't it. But it was like sort of like he, he caressed it in from thirty yards. But it was like the most powerful shot I've ever seen at the same time. 
so funny. And then Cody's comments on Instagram. Do you see that as well? Very yeah. funny. <laughs> Oh god, yeah. So both of you feeling positive? We're gonna think we're gonna win. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm going. Um, yes. I'm going to one 0 win. Yeah, Seamus with the winner. That'd be lovely. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we will leave it there. Um, cheers to Alan. Cheers to Paul. That has been your weekly show. Uh, as a reminder, um, if I make it to the the start line on my Zimmer frame on um, <laughs> uh, please do donate uh, <laughs> I'll try not to get in any fights as Paul mentioned <laughs> like that. Uh, but if you can that'll be wonderful but yeah that has been your weekly show here on the Blue Room uh, we'll be back later in the week for your instant reaction Southampton and all the cover drama cheers for tuning in up the top here speak to you soon Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.